I'd like to welcome everyone to the newest addition to the Best in the Mix brand, the B-Sides Podcast. I've been holding on to this idea for a while and felt like now was the perfect time to unleash. You know, it's great that me and my partners have found our stride, but I've wanted another outlet for us to be able to discuss all facets of urban culture. The range of content you have to look forward to will be anything from interviews with guests to me and my boys just shooting the shit across a myriad of topics. This, as well as the Best in the Mix podcast, will run concurrent. There's just going to be a distinction between the two as far as content is concerned. With that said, let's head right on in to our first interview. Right now, I'm honored to introduce our first official guest from the music industry. This brother's a professional engineer with over 30 years of experience mixing for several majors in both television and music. I'd like to welcome to the podcast the founder of OmniPro Productions, Al T. Williams. How you doing, brother? Hey, how you doing, brother? All right, all right. First off, man, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. I promise I won't be but a couple minutes, but first off, just go ahead and give the audience a brief rundown of your history in the business and some of the artists and personalities you've kind of aligned yourself with over the years. Uh, okay, it's a long, extensive list. Oh, well, we, okay, uh, you, you can stick with the majors if you want to, the heavy hitters. Okay, uh, I take it back. We'll take it back a couple of decades. I started with the SOS band. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a long story about that. I, mean, I was actually in high school and still working. My mom had no clue. She thought I was selling drugs because she was like, how you getting all this money? I would never tell. I was like, yo, we're cutting grass on the weekend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So uh, I left from there and uh, moved to Atlanta and did a couple of other things like producing and writing and ventured back out and uh, went out with Cool in the Game. I traveled with Cool in the Game for about five years in the, in wow. the market. So that's where I got all my international love and texture from. And then I uh, came back there and started working with another international artist who was with Young Money, uh, Cash Money, YMCMB. I was actually going to one of the concerts to see Chris Brown and ran to a buddy of mine who knew this guy. I started jumping on him. He was like, I didn't know he was an artist. And he was like, hey, I got a couple of big hit records. And uh, his name was Jay Sean. Oh, he had a, yeah. yeah, so me and Jay became buddies, and we went out on the road. And we stayed out for like a few years, you know, just hanging out. Um, and then I left Jay and started working with Ludacris. So I have a, it's a long list, Kelly Rowland. Uh, I'm still working with Ludacris now. But, and I work with uh, a legendary uh, vocal artist who is Teddy Riley. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I manage and production, production manager for Teddy Riley and all his events. So when you see Teddy out with Guy, Blackstreet, Teddy and Friends, um, we're actually doing the Essence Festival this year. Uh, we're, op- we're actually opening before Janet. So we're all on the same stage. It's going to be Teddy Riley, Keith Sweat, all of the 90s. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. Yes. Yeah, big Bub, Resident Effect, uh, Guy, Black Street, everybody, all on the same stage. The whole New Jack Swing. And, uh, the whole, yeah, the whole New Jack Swing 90 thing is going to come on first, then Janet's going to go on right after that. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's a great package. And right now we're out on a 90s block party tour. We're doing 42 cities. Uh, but I'm also a production manager, and I'm production manager over this uh, tour. Uh, me and another gentleman, and um, so you know that's that's an overview. But I've I've done quite a few things. I was one of the first minority distributors for Bose, uh, the audio sound company. Yeah, uh-huh. I, yeah, I, yeah. In that professional line, I closed the first deal for minority. I I actually changed the whole contract agreement. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah! Was, that's what I'm yeah, talking man, about. 
yeah, we went and changed the whole structure of how they, they do the distribution deal. Uh, it was crazy because we were sitting there, uh, me and a buddy of mine, James, Pul- James Pulliam, I had him, I had them to fly him up. So we're sitting at the table and we just started going in because I think both make really great products. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like these products make great products are stuck in their old ways. Yeah. And they don't brand or learn their mark- different marketing techniques. Sure, so, sure. you know, and that's, that, that was the approach. And then, you know, a lot of times when we sit, while we're sitting there, they will offer me a, uh, a partnership deal, which I, I see a lot of artists do that. They do these partnership endorsement deals where you're branding somebody else's product. Yeah. You still got to pay to get it, but you don't get 40% or 30% off. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I said, if you want me to deal with something, you're going to give me a distribution. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I said, successful. if you give me a distribution, I make sure me and Chris take pictures on your product. That's what it that is. That's ludicrous. I'm talking about. So, yeah. um, you know, that's how I panned out. But, you know, from that, I, my company have uh, paying 300 distribution deals. So wow. I have an integration company in Atlanta. And we have over 300 distribution deals with manufacturers all across the world. So um, my voice is gone, too, so it's a little hard. That's all good. It's all good. We got you, man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, let me yeah. tell you, the first thing that kind of stood out to me uh, about the name of your company, the OPP Group, now, I know it stands for Omnipro Productions, but, you know, of course, when I see OPP, I think of Naughty by Nature, Other People's Property, right? And when you kind of yeah. you kind of dig a little deeper on that name, it's it kind of falls in line with your profession. You're kind of responsible for other people's intellectual property, you know what I'm saying? So there has to be a ton of pressure on you as an engineer to make sure that these shows go off without a hitch. Cause like at the end of the day, your rep, your, at the end of the day, your reputation is on the line plus theirs. Just tell us about some of the challenges you've had over the years with like artists maybe like not being satisfied with how you mix the show and how you sort of overcame that. My training grounds were with SOSN and Coolin because they took me through every situation you possibly could deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and back then we didn't we didn't have a lot of digital consoles. We only had analog consoles, so you had to be on your game or learn or figure out ways to do stuff. I'll I tell you this one situation. We were doing a concert, and we were in this all-glass museum, and it was marble floors. So it was like the worst condition ever. So we had to create sonic tones and add gates to them just so oh. it could sound like a kick drum. Mm. So we regenerate and create new But see, I come up in the background of when we were doing samples. We were sampling because the way some of us producers, we didn't make no money because we weren't selling records. Mm. So we started sampling sounds and selling them. So I, I grew up in that area when I was 15 and 16. I was in my, you know, living room, man, taking a pot, hitting it, yeah. sampling it, going through a speaker, <laughs> and a gate on it, boom, and it make me a huge kick drum sampling on my uh, a car sampler and sell that bad boy, you know? That's how we was making money, to eat. We, didn't, we had 15 guys living in the house, man. We had to eat our peanut butter and jelly, mm-hmm, you know what I'm telling That was that was the time. But uh, so coming from that era, I think, uh, some of the hardest challenges is dealing more psychologically with the artist first. Yeah. It's not even about the mixing side, because most engineers are pretty decent, especially when they're out on tours, they're dealing with the psyche of the artist. Okay. If you can mm-hmm. mentally keep somebody stimulated, then you can get a chance to do your job you call to do. Oh, hey, that's what's up, that's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we talk about a lot on this podcast is we talk about how much the game has kind of changed over the years. You see artists come and go. You hear sounds that were hot a decade ago or that are played out today. 
but the need for an experienced engineer is constant. So how does it feel to have a skill set in this business that's always going to be sought after regardless of how much time passes or how much the complexion of the industry changes? My position was thought out. I'm a keyboard and bass player and producer. So I met this guy who was an engineer and he kind of said, they was an older cat, OG, and he kind of sat down and said, hey, look, if you want to last in this business a long time, production is it. Mm, hey. You know, you end up making the same amount of money after you put your time in. You'll make all the status money, you know, because you'll be amazed on how much money is made on the production side. And and I, you know, I never could get a hit record out. I had some great songs, great opportunities, but nothing ever took off because of politics, whatever. But mm. I decided to venture into another side of it that I was already dib dibbling with, and that's what I did. But being in this industry and being in demand, I think it's a good feeling. You know, it's a good feeling, but I'm I'm trying to pass the time on. So that's why I'm now doing things like, you know, these podcasts and different things like that to try to help educate other young engineers that want to get business. We're actually going to be doing a convention at some point in time where we pull all these seasoned engineers in to kind of share out what we've yeah. been through, challenges, how you deal with certain. Because a lot of people want to be in the industry, but they don't think about it like a business. Mm -hmm. First of all, you got to say pay your social security tax. So even when you start, just pay social security. So it, it, or even unemployment. So the way the game works is this music industry has been the same for years, but the difference is now tours are not the same. Tours are still one-off. And a one-off in the real true music industry is doing two days or three days on the weekend. Those are called considered one-offs. A tour, you touring for three months straight. You don't go home. You're working on Monday nights, Tuesday nights. Thursday night, it rotates. That's a real tool. Mm. We don't have many of those because the economy changed the game and our customers don't want to pay to come out to a Monday or Tuesday night anymore. They'll come out to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Word, word. Still a, still a one-off. So now we call one-off tours. If you get enough one-offs, you say, hey, I'm on tour. So that's, that's something I noticed that's different in the game. Uh, another thing I noticed that's different in the game is dealing with your business side. Going back to what I was saying about the business side, setting up Social Security, paying unemployment. So when you the season is, the way this works, if festival season starts in March, March, April, May, June, July, you get into your festivals, you start to taper out of your festival. September, you're into your clubs. September through uh, November, uh, October, you're in your clubs. November, December, you're writing tracks in studios. You do spot dates. January, February, you kind of promote your new record. And the cycle just keeps going all the way around. And if you, that's how you can get longevity as an artist. Even you don't even have to be a, a huge name artist. There's a lot of corporate artists that operate with that same principle and they like sure. time much longer. And um, so the same thing as when you're dealing with taking care of your social security and your, your unemployment. So when, as an engineer, when you're not, you still get a check. Because you paid into your unemployment, your social security. So what what has to happen with some of our younger brothers? They got to stop trying to lowball themselves. Yeah. On the mm. money. That's what because I Because when they lowball themselves, they can't afford to pay the rest of the stuff mm -hmm. to sustain a career. Mm -hmm. And they'll they and they'll they'll, they'll, low, they'll lowball for opportunities, right? But yeah, but they chop their own legs. They hurt themselves yeah. on the back end. Yeah. And you and you might see them working everywhere all the time. Uh, just all over the place, but they really don't have any money. Mm. And actually, hurting us, so they have to make a career out of it. They got to bring this thing back to a career for because it is for the engineers. I mean, back when I was coming up, you didn't have schools for engineers. You either had it, learned it, got it, or don't. Mm. 
Mm. You know, it's one of those now they have schools that train you, you know, to learn the techniques and the theories. It's really different now than it was then. So, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity for people who want to get in it. It's one of those jobs that if you get in it and you get good, you'll never have to, you'll never be broke another day in your life. It's like instant success. You 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 got a great personality. You go a long way. So what do, what do you say to these kids that feel like they got it all figured out already? That they can figure it out by googling how to figure how to engineer or YouTube and how to engineer and how to handle their business. What do you say to those people that are closed off to the jewels that people like yourself are dropping? I would say when you feel like you really got it, you don't. <laughs> That's the day yeah. you're gonna make your biggest mistake. You know, and, and you're going to feel your worth. And it, it, that will humble you enough. So just always know every day that most ways come out with a, uh, a recipe. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. just because I didn't put the sugar in first and I cut the eggs in, it doesn't matter. I stir it all up and still come out the same as cake. Man, that's what you I'm what talking I mean? about. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is, man. Yeah, I mean, I think about it. I think about these youngest today, man. A lot of them are just lost in the sauce because they see all these artists coming up as overnight successes, and they, they feel like that's the formula. I feel like they're missing so much to create a career of longevity, and they could definitely learn a lot from you, brother. You know what I'm saying? I want to thank... I want to thank you for your time, man. I don't want to hold you up for too much longer. I know you got to. I know you got to get back to it. Thank you for dropping the jewels. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, man. Hey, no problem. I, anytime, anytime. My number's wide open. Just call it. Absolutely, hey, man. We'll take definitely take you up on that, LT. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem.